0: Welcome to Talking Robots, the podcast with an inside view on the science, technology and business of intelligent robotics. Hi, I'm Sabine Howard from the Laboratory of Intelligent Systems at the EPFL in Lausanne, Switzerland. In this episode of Talking Robots, we'll be talking to Chris Melwish, who is the director of the Bristol Robotics Lab at the University of Bristol in the UK. Worried that you won't be able to listen to the end of this podcast because your batteries are dead? Well, maybe the answer to all our energy bottlenecks is bugs. Hi Chris, welcome to Talking Robots. Hi there. Many researchers agree that one of the main bottlenecks in robotics today is energy autonomy, why is it so important to have robots which are energetically autonomous
1: well robots are um, it's extremely uh, uh, robots are, are, are going to be very helpful to us in in many different uh, different areas and one of the uh, the areas that we we want to have uh, help from will be in those areas where there are places where we don 't want to be um, at a time we don 't want to be there doing something that we don 't want to do so in that respect, uh, um, robot systems or uh, these aw- autonomous systems are going to be very, very valuable to us. Of course, the bad news is that if you're not around there to supervise the robot, then it has to make decisions for itself and, and do the right thing at the right time. Um, but also it needs to be able to get energy in order to, to do the things that um, that we don't want to do. So in that respect, the uh, energy autonomy is a uh, is, 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 is a a, uh, is a bottleneck. It gives us a, a problem area which we need to resolve because robots need to get energy. Now um, we're all familiar with uh, solar uh, solar radiation and the and the use of solar radiation in solar panels, for example, to to extract energy from the environment. Um, so that would be one obvious way that we might be able to get energy. Um, another way of getting energy is if there are any. Um, domestic or industrial supplies of energy where the robot is uh, is working, but there may well be areas where neither of those two uh, um, conditions apply, and robots will then be required to uh, get their energy uh, in, uh, from the environment from from a different source. And one of the areas might be um, biomass from from some form of food.
0: One of your robots uses this biomass, and this is the EcoBot project. What are the main motivations and objectives of this project?
1: Well, the uh, EcoBot is all about self-sustaining systems. I I think very often uh, we roboticists are are guilty of a magician's trick in as much that we show a nice gleaming uh, robot in one hand, but behind our backs uh, held firmly um, in the other hand is a a battery. And uh, we really do need to have a have systems that can extract their energy from the environment. And uh, one way of doing this is to use um, microbial uh, fuel cells. Um, and these are, um, these are systems which enable us to exploit uh, bacteria um, in the breaking down of foodstuffs, and we can steal their electrons. And if we get their electrons, we can steal those, then we've got electricity, and then we can use the electricity to power a robot.
0: What type of food is used?
1: Well, in fact, the microbial fuel system that we use can extract energy from just about any type of food, so it's, it's omnivorous. <laughs> it will, it will, it, uh, we, we can effectively use uh, just about anything. Um, we have found that uh, for our purposes here, what we, what we wanted to do was, with these fuel cells was to uh, show that they, were, uh, they had practical use so we, we 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 used an unrefined biomass so we didn't use for example refined sugar or anything like that we used an unrefined biomass and that was in the form of dead flies because we we found that we could use chitin and we also part of our fuel cells we used atmospheric oxygen as the electron terminator rather than some a uh, um, uh, chemical which would which would be a powerful oxidizing agent so what we did with, uh, with our robots was to actually show that you could produce energy from unrefined biomass, in our case, dead insects and flies, and we could actually use atmospheric oxygen. Um, and we were able to do that. Uh, it has to be said that there's not much energy that you get, but there was just about enough energy to be able to do four things. And that was the, the robot was able to um, sense its, uh, its environment. We put a temperature sensor on there. It could then do a bit of processing on that. It would then communicate this information over a radio uh, wireless, uh, um, a, a radio system rather, uh, on board the computer. And then it would actuate its wheels, it would turn some motors on and, and move towards uh, um, a light source. And um, some meters away, 30, 40 meters away on a laptop, you could actually see the temperature increases the robot move towards the, uh, 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 the light source. Now, all of that activity, that sensing, processing, communication, and actuation, all of that was done using uh, raw, unrefined biomass. And I think was, that was, the, therefore, the, the first robot in the world to be able to do that.
0: What do these Echobots look like?
1: Well, they look like, um, well, there are different versions of them, but they're about dinner plate size. And they are made of very lightweight material, foam um, and lots of are now Ecobot threes is, is, um, we 're using a lot of rapid prototyping RP plastics, but they 've got to be lightweight um, uh, as much as possible the, then it look, it, it, if you stand back, it, look, it looks like a, a miniature version of the Colosseum in Rome because you 've got these uh, this circular set of, um, of units. Um, so it looks like a bit of a cake, um, and there are these fuel cells which are strapped to the side. In the EcoBot, case of EcoBot 2, we have um, something like eight fuel cells strapped to the side. And then uh, sitting underneath are a, a couple of uh, um, small wheels and uh, a little uh, a t- a tail, uh, tail wheel. And there's uh, some electronics sort of sitting on the top of it, and, the, and these probes that stick out the front, one for temperature and the other two for, um, give uh, information about light so the robot can then move towards the light.
0: How much energy can the EchoBots get through this
1: process? Okay, well, here's the trick about this. Is the, the answer is not very much. I mean, uh, in fact, you know, tiny compared to uh, um, an AA battery. But here's the difference, and this is the important thing, is that if you have an AA battery and it's producing, oh, you know, a number of kilojoules, for example, lots of, you know, a fair amount of energy, um, it will run down but what the way that the uh, the microbial fuel cell system works for us is different in as much that you can keep it going and if you can keep it going um, potentially if, if the system can keep it going then it might not produce a lot of energy but it can produce not a lot of very uh, not a lot of energy but for a very long time and so if you integrate if you add up the energy that you can get then over, over periods of time, then it's useful. So let me give you an example. The ECOBOT 2, I told you those four things it did, it sense-processed, uh, um, communicated, and, and actuated. Well, it would only do that uh, every around about 14 minutes. So it had um, 13 minutes and 58 seconds of seemingly doing nothing, and then it had a two-second burst where it did, uh, uh, and that's when it did the sensing, processing, communication, and actuation. So it, it had taken 13 minutes and 58 seconds or so to, to be able to extract enough energy and store that energy, add or integrate, uh, accumulate that energy uh, to then be able to do something useful. So the way that we use microbial fuel cell systems at the moment is one of what we re- re- refer to a pulsed behavior. You, it won't run your Porsche and it won't continuously run a, a torch, for example. But what it will do is you can allow the energy to be stored, and then you can use that energy in a, a burst mode.
0: What would be needed to get continuous energy or more energy?
1: Well, you'd need a lot more of them. Um, and there are there are avenues of research that we need to uh, to move into in order to be able to get continuous energy. But it's continue- you can get continuous energy, but you won't get much continuous energy. That, that's the point. So some basic fundamental research needs to be um, needs to be done to see how much you can improve the not just the efficiency because you can have high efficiency as in you can convert all the energy. You have in a biomass or uh, you can have high efficiency but low continuous energy output. Um, So uh, what we need to do is basic research to be able to understand more about how these fuel systems work to be able to improve the the output, um, continuous output capacity. The other thing we might be able to look at is if you have a lot more fuel cells which are physically smaller Because if you have lots of smaller physical fuel cells and that doesn't compromise the energy output, then what you could end up with is switching banks of of fuel cells. So that gives you ways of being able to get continuous energy too. But that's an area that we we need to look at.
0: To be truly autonomous, the robots need to digest the food, but they also need to be able to find this food or or the sludge. Uh, How can this be done?
1: Well, it's really, in computer science... um, I suppose in robotics, there's something called the action selection problem, which is so given the state of your being, what do you do next? And this is um, a key issue in autonomous systems and uh, and, uh, and self-sustaining systems uh, and uh, and and artificial intelligence. How what what choices do you, do do you make next? Now, one of the things in you know, a a, a truly self-sustaining system, it's got to be able to uh, balance a number of number of things. It needs to balance, for example, um, it, maybe it has a task to do, something which it's, you know, humans have, uh, have, asked, uh, uh, have created the robot in order to do. But it's also got to be able to get the energy in order to do the task. And it's also got to be able to expend that energy in, a, in an appropriate way, and it's also got the opportunity of doing nothing in, uh, for our current robot, which is, if it appears to be doing nothing, then it's accumulating energy. So it has to balance all of those things in order then to decide what to do next. So um, what we're going to require for truly self-sustaining systems is not just the Um, uh, not not, not, uh, uh, only uh, an artificial digestive system, but it will need uh, an appropriate amount of intelligence to be able to balance um, um, those particular um, competing uh, uh, constraints.
0: In the slugbot project, which ended in 201, you had a robot which was capable of finding slugs and picking them up. Are you thinking of combining the slugbot and the ecobot?
1: the the early slugbot um project um which was conducted um in the lab um it got as far as being able to show that it was that that it could pick up a slug Um, and it it consisted of a a a, a small trolley like um, robot with a as i recall it was about 1.5 M- uh, meter um, articulated carbon arm, and on the end of that was a, a gripping system, which also included a uh, in- an internal camera. and and, uh, and the robot was able to carry out a spiral um, move, and then carry out a spiral search to see if it could pick up uh, find any slugs. And if it found a slug, then it would it would uh, it would pick them up. But the it was the slugbot project was. Was, uh, and that's as far as it got. I mean, we, we did produce a few bubbles of methane, but um, but we didn't actually. The, the robot itself was not powered from the product of its foraging of slugs. Um, the uh, but, but 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 it was based on a, a, a different um, different model, I suppose. Um, if it worked, uh, Slugbot was 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 based on the model of, of something like um, um, leaf cutter ants where you have a foraging set of robots that would come back and deposit the, um, uh, the, the, the products of their, of their labor, leaf, you know, leaf cuttings, for example, in a central um, uh, garden. Now, for us, what we envisage the problem would be is that robots would go out and they would collect um, Biomass in the terms of uh, uh, these, these slu- slugs, for example, they would bring that back to a central digester, which would be relatively large, and then that uh, fermenter would then produce methane gas. The methane gas could be run through fuel cells. The fuel cells would then generate electricity, which could be stored, which would then run the robots. So it was a different system than the uh, individual... Um, um, uh, ecobot systems which are uh, which, which are standalone units the, the the slugbot project was envisaged really as a collective system.
0: Hunting, eating, are we aiming towards robots which can survive on their own in a society and develop?
1: I think there will be a case where there are instances where robots will will, will need um, uh, need to do that. Now what they actually the, the biomass that they use, um, will depend on on the availability and, 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 and many other issues um, uh, uh, um, um, no doubt but um, uh, and also of course, why would you go to the trouble of a robot being self sustaining if you can plug it into uh, uh, the electricity socket on 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 the wall so there have to be Um, particular applications and in particular environments where this makes sense to use this type of technology uh, and or this uh, rather this this type of uh, approach and at the moment the technology wouldn't allow you to it's 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 suitably primitive that you wouldn't be able to have um, constant energy anyway you'd have to employ this pulsed behavior this this uh, I'll eat something or um, digest it if you if you will um, and then I'll have to accumulate that energy over time before I can then use it.
0: In your lab, you've also been developing underwater robots, which display energy autonomy. Can you explain a bit how this works?
1: Well, we've had um, some experience with uh, a few robots. Um, What we did at one stage have uh, some underwater robots, and the plan was that these robots would... They actually use solar energy, so they would bob on the surface. Of, um, of a small pool that we had. And uh, they would accumulate energy, much like the, the, um, uh, uh, the eco-bots. And then they would have then sufficient energy to be able to submerge. And they would sit on the bottom of this little water tank. And then um, they could communicate with each other using sonar, um, well, it, it, uh, acoustic waves, really. And then uh, they would be able to uh, uh, come back to the surface and then recharge their, their systems. So it's a similar sort of idea of pulse, pulse behavior. That's one of the areas we, uh, uh, we moved into. We, and we've also noticed that with the fuel, with the microbial fuel cells, um, what we did um, a little bit of work where we found that if you, on the cathode side where we it, currently we use um, free atmospheric uh, oxygen, is uh, if you run water over that cathode, and that's aerated water, uh, it's got some oxygen uh, in it, then you've got a form of, uh, um, very very loosely, it's a sort of gill. Um, it's a system where you can extract oxygen from the uh, from, from from water, and um, uh, which is then employed in uh, in, in, in the creation of uh, of energy. And we've done a little bit of uh, of work with that.
0: Let's talk a bit about the future now. The Bristol Robotics Laboratory is active in many other areas of robotics, including humanoid robotics, UAVs, and collective systems. Uh, what are the main challenges in making these robots autonomous, power-wise?
1: <laughs> well, it's usually size and weight. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that all the other all of the other ro- ro- uh, robots that, that we use, however small they are. Will require more energy um, than can be extracted from the current um, uh, uh, things like microbial fuel cells. We do have um, one or two small uh, lightweight robots, which we refer to as solar bots, which can extract their energy from the uh, from from, from directly from sunshine. Um, But for all of the other, you asked me specifically about autonomy with these uh, uh, um, these other robots. Well. they can, um, none of them would be able to be um, uh, powered by microbial fuel cells because you'd simply need far, a huge, huge quantity of, um, of microbial fuel cells. But it depends what you mean by autonomous. Um, the, the, if you want a system to be completely self-sustaining, that's one thing. On the other hand, if you want a robot to be active for a period of time and to carry out um, tasks on its own, i.e. In, a, an aut- in an autonomous manner, then that's okay. But what, but your autonomy is um, a, a constrained to a time slot of an hour, two hours, three hours, depending on the type of robot that, that, uh, that you have.
0: What do you see as the most promising areas of research in energy autonomy in the next 20 years?
1: On energy autonomy, um, well, I think that there are some interesting avenues with waste. Um, we uh, humans produce a huge amount of uh, waste, not only waste food, but um, uh, but also, for example, sewage waste. And it's it, it will be rather interesting to see how much energy that we could extract from uh, from, from 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 this waste, and um, that needs. Uh, this is a, 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 a um, an area where perhaps we uh, we we should be considering uh, um, putting funding in to see how far we can uh, uh, um, e- extract energy from uh, from waste because of all the green issues, climate change issues, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: In all areas of robotics now, where do you see the biggest potential? Where do you think the biggest advances will be made?
1: Um, <laughs> well. I- I do have some difficulty knowing exactly what we, how we define a robot and where a robot stops and other, <laughs> and other systems begin. Um, but uh, I, I think that one area that, that, that I'm quite intrigued by that, that I think we will find um, will have an impact is the robot companion or the, 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 the device, which is um, a, a physical de- device which you can cooperate and communicate with uh... the robot assistant for example the the cooperative helper and in many many walks of life it would be and and uh, um, many trades many uh, many disciplines it would be extremely useful to have devices which are incredibly smart which are capable of carrying out tasks with us in, uh, and uh... areas where for example we we, we would be in physical in, working in the same physical space as uh, as robotic devices, and and therefore we have to look at how those robotic devices are smart enough to interact with us, and also safe enough for for, uh, for us to interact with. So those are those are areas which I think are particularly um, interesting and, and and could be very uh, have high impact on us.
0: What do you see as the biggest challenges in all areas of robotics for the future?
1: Well, uh, you know the <laughs> the thing is. Um, I think here 's a problem that everyone 's seen star wars and um, and so uh, the the expectations are very high. The problems are that doing robotics is in, in fact extremely hard. there are many um, m- many difficult areas which include the physical building of robots how, how best do we do we build ro- um, ro- um, ro- uh, robotic systems um, what sort of technologies do we want? To, uh, uh, to have for this. How do we control them? How, do, uh, how are they controlled such that, uh, um, that they are uh, controlled in a, 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 a safe way? The energy efficiency, how do we uh, uh, make sure that they, uh, they, they use an appropriate uh, amount of energy? And how do we make them smart so that they can not only do the task but also interact with, uh, with us? So there are huge hurdles that we have to um, overcome in all of those areas.
0: Thanks, Chris, for being here with us on Talking Robots.
1: Oh, well, my pleasure. Um, Thank you very much indeed for asking me.
0: This concludes this episode of Talking Robots with Chris Melwish on energy autonomy. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Talking Robots, the inside view on robotics. For more information on past and upcoming podcasts, visit our website at lis.epfl.ch.